Welcome to Legislative Breakdown. It's a podcast from Boise State Public Radio. I'm Samantha Wright with Gary Moncrief. He's Boise State University's political science professor emeritus who spends all his spare time studying legislatures around the country. Seriously, all his spare time, including Idaho's. And in this podcast, we break down the Idaho legislature, what's happening. We drill into the why and the how it affects you. And Gary... This week, I understand, uh, is personal bill deadline week. What is that? What does it mean? Yeah, that's right. Last week was actually the personal deadline for senators. And today, Friday, is the deadline for House members to introduce personal bills. And basically, almost all bills are introduced to the committees in Idaho. So it's a very unusual arrangement. But you can introduce a personal bill. The problem with it is that personal bills tend not to get very far in the Idaho (laughs) legislative process. And this process is often used by people who are trying to make a point or want to get some issue out there that they're afraid will not get printed and introduced through the committee system. So there's probably not more than 30 or 40 such bills introduced in a normal session. Very few of them will pass. But this week is the end of the personal bill period that somebody can introduce one for. Well, now, a personal bill is – is it just like it sounds? I'm a legislator and I have something personal that I want to introduce, some idea or law or whatever, and this is my one chance to do it without having to go through all the con- committee rigmarole and, and all of that. What it really means is it's a bill on personal privilege, that is – uh, this is an issue that I want to d- discuss, and because of the way the the system works in Idaho, you're not guaranteed of getting a bill actually introduced if you go through the normal committee process. So that's what it's about. So I understand that uh, Alana Rubel introduced a personal bill this week. This has to do with, if you remember, the grocery bag controversy where uh, a city in Idaho wanted to ban plastic grocery bags and the legislature decided that wasn't a good idea. Am I saying this right? Yeah. We've had issues in not just in Idaho, but in a number of states recently where local governments uh, seek to do something, in this case, to ban plastic grocery bags. And then the legislature intervenes and essentially says, no, the local government can't do this. This is called a preemption. The state is preempting local governments from doing something. And last year or year before, the Idaho legislature preempted local governments from this particular type of city ordinance. And what Alana Rubel is doing is, through a personal bill, is kind of bringing attention to that. And the bill essentially would rescind that law last year, that preemption motion from the state. And there's not much chance that bill's going to survive. Personal bills are very, very rarely passed in Idaho. And we should make a note that uh, Representative Rubel is going to be uh, part of our podcast in two weeks on February 8th, and it's actually going to be a live podcast, a live version of the podcast right here at Boise State Public Radio. You are invited to come on down for that podcast and ask all your legislative questions of Gary and uh, Representative Rubel and myself. So be sure to tune in for that uh, in just a couple weeks. So if if people think about their state legislature at all, they probably think about it in terms of the legislators themselves, the 70 
representatives and the 35 senators who were elected to serve in the state legislature in Idaho. But another way to think about the legislature is as an institution. And that means thinking about the rules and the structures and the the constitutional formal composition of the legislature and the procedures that make the legislature, I think, such an interesting and unique human invention. And one of the most important things to understand about that institution part is that there is an entire support system that keeps the institution functioning. That support system is what's known as the legislative staff. These are the people who basically work for the institution itself. They work for the legislature, not for a specific legislator. In Idaho, the bulk of the staff consists of something called the LSO. That's the Legislative Services Office. And today we have the director of LSO with us, and that's Eric Milstadt. Hi, Eric. How are you, Gary? Good. I'm great. Glad to be here. And I really appreciate it. Samantha does. You're coming in. It's always struck me as a really interesting place to work. And, and the, the people that I know on staff there, they genuinely like the legislative process and the, le- and the institution of the legislature. And I think you're right. Folks are generally attracted to the job because they get to participate in the process. Uh, these are uh, topics and subjects that affect every Idahoan. Uh, and, and they play a, a role, albeit behind the scenes, right. but, but, but it is a role in implementing policy at the right. legislature. And that's nonpartisan, right? This is a nonpartisan office, that, am I correct? That's a great question, and it's, it's one I need to emphasize. It is absolutely nonpartisan. We work for both parties. We work uh, in the same fashion for both parties. We do the same uh, extensive research and analysis, irrespective of the party they come in. Now, having said that, just because of the makeup of the legislature. I mean, we've got super majorities in both bodies. The majority of our work is going to be for a single party here, but that's only a function of numbers in the legislature. Uh, We we do the same type of uh, analysis and and work for either party. So can you explain a little bit about the organization (laughs) of the staff and the different functions that they have? Yeah, happy to. We've got about 65 people, slightly more than that during the session. We have some, some temporary session held, but we have about 65 full-time staff broken into four primary divisions w- with a, a smaller administrative staff, but I can, I can walk you through those. Yeah, please. We've got a staff we call a Budget and Policy Division, and they principally staff the Joint Finance and Appropriations Committee. These are budget analysts delving into state budgets. They help that joint committee set every appropriation bill uh, that the legislature passes. There's roughly 100 of those. We had Maxine Bell on a couple of weeks right. ago, and she was referring right. to my staff, and that's those are the people those she are the was folks. talking about. Those are the folks. Uh, that staff is, again, highly professional. We've got attorneys on staff, people with master's degrees, so it, it's a professional, top-quality staff. Let me move on to the audit division, which is actually our biggest mm-hmm. division. Those folks conduct financial audits, on all of the state agencies. They Mm -hmm. help ensure that appropriations are followed and maintained. They review and conduct uh, audits on all state agencies over a three-year period. It's a cyclical period. They also annually do two large audits. Those require an awful lot of work. They have teams involved in that. But that's principally what they do. The next group let me talk about is uh, called Research and Legislation. That's where the bill drafting goes on. Mm-hmm. And those folks crank out upwards of 1,000 bills uh, during the three-month period. 
we have five bill drafters doing that. They're all attorneys. They have support staff consisting of editors, proofreaders, legislative librarian. A thousand bills, yeah. A thousand RSs. A thousand RSs. But they, they crank and they crank, and every word is read uh, by those proofreaders and editors. Uh, let's see. The next division is our IT staff. They work behind the scenes. They keep the whole electronic infrastructure in the state house going. They keep emails going, computers. I think that's about covers it, at least okay. during the session. One of the things that I think is interesting you might elaborate a little bit on is, so if I'm a legislator and I'm not capable of drafting my own legislation unless I'm an attorney by training myself, so how does that work? Right. That, that, you know, if I've got an idea for a bill, what do I do with that? So at that point, the analyst will have to review the existing code, try to get a clear understanding of what it is the member wants, and then they will start revising code or perhaps adding to Idaho code to implement that provision. In doing their research... Uh, they may find, for example, that the idea of the member uh, may be contrary to existing law or may be contrary to existing uh, court cases. And if that's the case, the analyst will bring that to the member's attention. The approach would be, look, I'm going to get you this draft in the form of a a draft bill, but you need to know A, B, and C, Mm -hmm. that as I've currently written it and it's consistent with your idea – you may run into some headwinds. You may run into uh, headlong into a Supreme Court holding uh, of this. That's the way that we, uh, we approach those, those kind of uh, issues. So when I bring – if I'm a legislator and I bring this idea to you, uh, what I've always been told by staff is that they can't discuss that issue with others, other people until it's actually in the RS form it's, uh, and, and introduced or being printed for introduction – that it's not really available to anyone else to see what, what that proposal looks like. And, it's a secret? And, and, and Gary, that, that's right. It's con- considered the personal property of that member. Huh. Now, and until it's distributed at committee, and, and then it's open, then it becomes public. What I want to emphasize about this is that the legislators have to have a very fundamental trust in the staff. And the staff, I think, understands the responsibility of that. that. That's, that's exactly right. I mean, there, there's a number of reasons that they want that kept confidential. You know, that they're out there shopping it. They're out there trying to uh, uh, convince allies or potential allies. They don't need it leaked while they're performing that work. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Who knew it got so, I don't know, sort of spy versus spy kind of well, thing going you know, on there? I, mean, I, I think it's, it's, it's much, you know, it's not about secrets. It's about, as a legislator, I have an idea, but it's not really well formed yet. And until that gets drafted, it really is just my idea. I have to be willing to trust the staff that they're not going to take this and go, oh, look what Moncrief's got in mind. That's exactly right. It's the member developing his idea to the fullest extent he can, or he or she can, and taking into consideration all angles of it. And if the idea is released, then it complicates that for the member. So that, that confidentiality is inviolate. Yeah. And I was going to ask, I know a lot of people seem to think that when the legislators go home, that's it. There's nobody yeah. home at the state house, and nothing happens. But that's not true. It's not it. There's 105 members, and they are working year-round, and uh, they 
have uh, inquiries and ideas. So after the session uh, adjourns, it gives staff time to do some long-term research and members will have ideas for the upcoming session. And that's the time when that kind of work uh, can take place. Uh, One other thing that has grown over the past several years is the growth in number of interim committees. Mm -hmm. Back 10, 15 years ago, there would be three or four interim committees. We're now up to where the the average is somewhere between 8 and 10. They meet with great frequency during the interim. They take deep dives into highly complicated issues and uh, LSO staff staffs those committees. It's where a whole lot of in-depth work and analysis is done during the interim. Oftentimes, it results in legislation that's introduced at the following uh, session. Well, I've, I've always felt that the staff was really underappreciated and misunderstood. And I thank you for, for being here. And, and I personally, as a citizen, I want to thank you and all that, the LSO staff for the really remarkable work that I think they do. Gary, thanks. Thanks for those kind uh, comments, and I'm, I've been delighted to be here. Thanks for having me. Legislative Breakdown is a podcast from Boise State Public Radio. I'm Samantha Wright with Boise State University political science professor Gary Moncrief. Our original music comes from local artist and composer Will Hall of the bands New Dude and Like of the Dog. Thanks this week to Frankie Barnhill and to Lacey Daly, our digital content coordinator. You know, every week during Legislative Breakdown, we want to break down how the legislature affects you. And since it's your legislature, we want to hear from you. On Thursday, February 8th, we are hosting a live version of the podcast at Boise State Public Radio, and you are invited. Come on down for the podcast, ask your legislative questions for Gary Moncrief and our special guest, Democratic Representative Alana Rubel. What do you want to know about your legislature? Mark your calendars for February 8th at 530 and tweet your questions now to make sure we get them during the live show. You can tweet at KBSX915. And don't forget, if you like this podcast, rate us on iTunes to help other people find us. Remember, it's your legislature. Thanks for listening.